What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm your host, and this is episode number 193. And uh, today we're sitting down with Oren J. Sofer, who wrote a book called Say What You Mean. And the subtitle is this. Listen up now. Listen up. It's a long one. A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication, How to Find Your Voice, Speak Your Truth, and Listen Deeply. Now, I talked to Oren uh, maybe it was like a week, week and a half before Thanksgiving. I went through this season over the fall where we did an instant replay, where we replayed top 20 episodes from the last three years. And uh, I, I had this like break of just no recording because I just needed a break. I'd recorded an episode every week for three years <laughs> without taking a break. And so I was tired. And so I decided I need a little break, I need a breather. So like September, or maybe it was August, September, October, uh, I didn't record anything. And then I started to record stuff again in November and December to have a little bit of a backlog for the new year. Because uh, I would try to have like five episodes in my back pocket just in case something happens where there's multiple weeks that go by and I can't record anything. Um, that way I have things to fall back on. But anyway, I talked to him a couple weeks before Thanksgiving and I ended up releasing the video uh, to this podcast uh, like right, I think it was like a day before Thanksgiving because, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes when like families get together, maybe it's just, it's just me, but when families get together, uh, for like Thanksgiving dinner, like you have everybody over the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents, Christmas dinner, whatever, you know, you think in your mind, it's going to be this glorious thing to be amazing. But sometimes it's like the place of the most violent communication that there possibly could ever be. Uh, when politics come up, religion comes up, uh, deconstruction is definitely something that comes up in a lot of families nowadays. And so the, the communication can quickly go from like angelic to very violent uh, very quickly. And so I released the, the, the episode, the video, because I was like, you know what, this might help people uh, as they go into Thanksgiving. But the, the reality about this book and about, about the, you'll see in the conversation, is that nonviolent communication? It's not like you know you just just do these three things. You know, pepper these three things into your conversation, and everything. You know, all of a sudden you're you're going to be shooting skittles and rainbows out of your conversations with people. Uh, but instead, this nonviolent communication, it's it's a way of life, right? There's certain things you have to practice and get better at and deal with on the inside, in your own heart, in your own soul, in order to have uh, these nonviolent communications with people who uh, might hold a view about something that that differs from your own, and so really, really good stuff coming up in the in this episode in this book. I highly recommend it. If you're just somebody who wants to get better at communicating with people who think differently than you, uh, this book will definitely help you uh, help you do that and help you get better. So pick it up. Head over to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever it is you buy your books. It's there. My book is only available on Amazon, self-published. It's called Rethinking Everything. And uh, it's about my journey uh, from the world of black and white thinking of evangelicalism into this wide world of color that I find myself in today. And a uh, really cool fun fact is that, what was it? It was one, it was two weeks ago, uh, Bart Ehrman, uh, he, put, he put up a blog post of mine. So I, I do some social media stuff from Bart. And uh, I sent him a copy of my book and I said, I, I just wanted to send this to you because although it's it's not scholarly, <laughs> Bart Ehrman is a scholar and uh, a really a historian, a really deep thinker. 
Like this is none of that, <laughs> right? This is uh, very different. But uh, your your teaching has made a huge impact on my life, and so I'd like you to have uh, a copy of this book just to say thank you. And I don't know if you read it or he skimmed it or whatever, but he he emailed me like a week later and said, "How would you like to uh, write a guest post for my blog, and I'll share your book uh, with my with my readers, and also I'll put it up on social media and share it on Twitter and Facebook and everything." I was like, "Well, I can't say no to that, right?" <laughs> so I said, "Absolutely." And so I wrote this post and we uh, went back and forth and edited it a little bit and he put it up there and, and lots of people, I got nothing but good feedback. Lots of people on the blog, lots of people on social media, uh, everybody had really good things to say. Some people said, hey, I'm going to pick up some copies of the book. A bunch of people started listening to the podcast. So all that to say, if you are one of those people who are here from the Barterman blog, uh, welcome. It is wonderful to have you. Uh, thank you for your kind words. Uh, for your encouragement and for uh, purchasing purchasing my book, if that's if that's what you did. But anyway, it's available on Amazon, hardcover, softcover, all the different things. Uh, special music today is from Young Citizen. We're playing his music for the rest of the year. I will not say this very many more times. I just want to kind of make sure we hit everybody with this general announcement. But he's a friend of mine, a hip-hop artist in Charlotte, North Carolina, doing great things in the world. And uh, I said to him, I would like to play your music uh, only, only play your music on the podcast for this year uh, just to kind of help get the word out about you, about what you're doing, and bring him on the show in the spring or the summer so he can share some of his story with us um, as as well. So he graciously allowed me to do that, and uh, he's going to send me more music. A bunch of people, I think it was like maybe three, one, two, three, maybe three or four people reached out to me and said, hey, are we going to hear more Young Citizen music because it's typically the same rotation of songs, and uh, we will. Uh, he's he's a newer artist, so it's not like he's like, I don't know who's who's been around a long time. Like, uh, who who has a lot of songs? My mind my mind's going blank. Let's say the Beatles. I don't listen to the Beatles, but they just came to mind. Not like we have the Beatles where you just like dip into this tank of songs and pull out a different song for every day of the year, right? It's not that we don't have that many to go with. Uh, but I did email him and say, hey, people are looking for more of your stuff. Can you send me more music? And so he has more more things will be arriving in my email box. Uh, shortly in the next couple of of weeks. So anyway, my friends, all that to say, I'll put his links in the show notes uh, with my book, Patreon, buy me a coffee, all the things. But this is episode number 193. And it's my conversation with Oren J. Sofer. Say what you mean, a mindful approach to nonviolent communication. Enjoy. Wish I had more days, you know how I go. New routine, always on the ball. Ducks in the rope, levitating. Even regulating in my head space. Meditating, just to keep me sane. Ain't no hesitation, oh yeah. Spin around the world, glad to be alive. Most of my bros couldn't even make it past 25. Maybe it'd be smart to be more cautious. Focus on the wins than the losses. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're sitting down with my friend Oren J. Sofer, who wrote a book called Say What You Mean. Uh, it's subtitled A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication, How to Find Your Voice, Speak Your Truth, and Listen Deeply. So Oren, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. 
Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, happy to be here. I feel like we've been uh, trying to make this work for a while. So I feel like the universe has something special in store for our conversation. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Glad we're finally, finally here. Yes, me too. So I have a lot of questions for you, uh, judging by your book, which is really great. Uh, By the way, I think that your thoughts and your responses are really going to help me, help our listeners with a whole lot of stuff that we're wrestling with. Uh, Because a a common question I get like a lot is, how do you communicate with somebody who you adamantly disagree with, or they adamantly disagree with you, whether it's about trivial, like small things or something large, like politics and religion and those things. But before we jump into all of that, because I have, like I said, a lot of questions, maybe take some time uh, to tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, who are you? Uh, What do you do? Take us a little bit into the life of, of Oren. Sure. Okay. Um, So, uh, I am a middle-class white Jew from Jersey uh, who (laughs) discovered Buddhism when I was 19 (laughs) and um, found in the practice of meditation and the philosophy behind it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the spirituality and meaning that I was seeking that kind of got lost and was not accessible to me as um, as a secular Jew in the United States because of the history of the religion and the genocide and so forth. Um, and over the course of my meditation practice, I noticed that it wasn't translating into my relationships and my conversations in the way that I needed and wanted. And so I started doing some other research and work and um, came across the the work of a man named Dr. Marshall Rosenberg, who founded this practice called Nonviolent Communication, um, which is, is kind of an odd name. You know, it kind of stands out. Um, is communication violence? Like, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and um, it's really deep. It's, um, it's really a kind of awareness practice um, because it's, it's, it's not just a communication t- technique. It's actually designed to transform our perceptions and the way we relate to ourselves, to other people, to life um, from a perspective of nonviolence, mm. really deeply rooted in the principles of Kingian and Gandhian nonviolence, which also means that it's deeply connection- connected to a vision for a more just and equitable society. Mm. Um, So it really spans this whole spectrum from individual healing to interpersonal communication and conflict resolution to um, creating more leverage to work for systemic change um, by having clear and effective communication on the one hand, and also by stepping outside of the us-them binary. Mm-hmm. And, and beginning to work towards what Dr. King called beloved community by not seeing enemies, but actually um, in the people we disagree with, seeing potential allies who have a different perspective. Yeah, I think that's so huge because like you said, there's, there's often, we often take sides like us versus them. And if there's any kind of difference, it's like we throw those people on that side of the line. We're on this side of the line. And one of us is right, but we think it's we're right. And there's there's an argument and there's it's back and forth. And you can never really find that that middle ground if that's always your mentality. And I feel like for me, growing up in the church, like that was always the mentality is it's us versus them. It's the Christians versus the Jews. It's the Christians versus the atheists. It's the Christians versus the other. And we make yes. this, we make this hard line and throw everybody else on the other side. That's just not helpful. No, it's not. And it's, you know, it's playing off of very old. Um, 
tendencies in human consciousness around like, you know, just the sort of tribal mentality that we have as social creatures mm-hmm. to connect with those, those immediately closest to us in our community or village um, and see the foreigner as the other, right? Yeah, but yeah, obviously yeah. we know that we have the capacity to transcend that and to actually touch into a more shared, a sense of shared humanity. So that's kind of a little bit about my background and Mm -hmm. kind of how I got to where I am today is sort of from meditation to nonviolent communication and then integrating this other uh, practice from a man named Peter Levine on um, trauma healing, which really starts to look at how do these patterns, for me, it, it became a way of looking at how do our communication habits and our patterns around conflict get hard coded into our nervous system. Mm. such that it becomes that much more difficult to actually stay connected to our values mm. in a situation of conflict or disagreement and how yeah. do we shape those patterns. So who is this book for? Like if you had a, for our listeners who are maybe listening to this, they're wondering, should I go to Amazon mm. and get this? Like who, who mm. is this book? Obviously it's for everybody, <laughs> but specifically speaking, like who is your target audience in writing yeah. this book? Yeah. Thanks. Um, I would, I would say it in two different ways. It's, it's really for anyone who wants to have uh, more meaningful conversations and better relationships in their life. That's the broadest way of putting it because we all communicate and we're all in relationship and it's messy. It's hard. You know, we could all use a little bit of support in that department probably. So it's a really practical guide for um, how to create the conditions to have better conversations and more meaningful relationships in our life, whatever that context is, whether you're looking at your private personal life, your family, whether you're talking about work, wanting to build relationship, be more effective at work, um, or you're working for social change and you're, and you're really wanting to create more leverage in the ways you engage in those, in those projects. Um, put another way, you know, it's for people who have, um, some kind of spiritual practice and are looking to translate that the values of their spirituality into their life's conversations and relationships. That's another kind of um, subset of who the book's for. Yeah. I noticed in the book, like I felt like I was thinking back to my days as a pastor, like pastoring a church and the con- the tons of different conversations you have with people about various types of things. Like it, it fits that kind of context. It fits the context of like the Thanksgiving table when you're, you know, sitting down with your family and people disagree. Oh, so it's like, regardless of where you are in your life, I feel like this book can be a guide for you. So if our listeners are wondering if this is for you, the answer is yes. <laughs> it is certainly 100% for you. And I'm wondering, like this book, obviously, like it's a longer book and obviously it came from a very deep place. And I'm wondering, like, what what is it that triggered in you, like this desire to explore nonviolent communications or like a story? behind that a little bit about your life or is there is there like a certain event or maybe it's just your whole life in general yeah yeah well you know it's a big question <laughs> it is it's a yeah. good question but you know what makes us do anything when yeah. we really when we really look back you know you, you know some things you can pinpoint clearly i, I think there were a few things i mean mm-hmm. you know in, in some ways i noticed that i had a different orientation to communication than my family growing up where I always felt kind of a little bit invisible and that was hard for me and so I think that was one of the initial conditions was feeling that sense of disconnection and a real longing as a child to feel more seen have my voice heard and not 
knowing how to do that, not finding a way to do that. Um, but then later in life, and you know, as I kind of as a young adult in my teens and twenties, I, I discovered that I had a lot of repressed anger and pain in relation to um, events that had occurred in my family, um, mental illness and kind of different emotions being out of control um, that were interfering with my relationships. It was hard to get close to people, um, you know, particularly with family, I would suppress any uncomfortable emotions and then reach a tipping point and blow up. I tell one story at the beginning of the book of getting into an argument with my brother and, you know, just something inside snapping. And this was after I had been meditating for several years and literally raising a chair up over my head and screaming in frustration and smashing it on the ground into pieces. And um, I remember there was this moment, you know, of like lifting the chair up over my head and screaming. And there was this like flash of awareness of just like, wow, am I really going to do this? <laughs> you know, and then, <laughs> <do> yeah, you <laughs> I'm going to do this. And, and so there was enough awareness to recognize, like, I need another way to deal with all of this, not just what's happening internally, but how I navigate it and express it with others in my life. And that's an extreme example, of course, but um, those were some of the things that, uh, that precipitated really, you know, wanting to have more tools and resources yeah, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that that, that background with us. Um, the book is divided into uh, kind of four sections, and each section takes us through uh, like a necessary piece of this nonviolent communication. So for our listeners, uh, the first piece is to lead with presence. Uh, the second piece is to come from a place of curiosity and care. Uh, third piece is to focus on what matters. And the fourth is where you kind of bring it all together with the more practical, practical stuff. Now, obviously we don't want to give away all of the pearls of wisdom <laughs> of the book, but if you wouldn't mind me, but just take us through a, a brief tour of these three uh, main pieces and kind of what they, what they involve. Sure. Sure. Glenn. Um, I'm happy to share as much as we have time <laughs> for There's nothing that's hidden or secret here. And I, I, I do want to say that um, probably everything that comes out of my mouth <laughs> Uh, on in our conversation today is is really just coming is really just passing along the things that I've learned from my own teachers from Marshall Rosenberg and um, Mickey and Inbal Kashtan these two sisters out here in the San Francisco area who were mentors of mine and, mm. and then the various meditation teachers I've trained with um, so uh, so lead with presence um, this is um, based on the simple fact that if we're not aware, we're on automatic. So regardless of the situation and regardless of what it is you're trying to accomplish, whether you're wanting to experience more intimacy with your significant other, um, whether you're trying to navigate uh, a complex and charged conversation at work, um, or whether you're at a town hall meeting and, you know, trying to deal with the different views present in your community around any number of the issues <laughs> that are that are you know plaguing us today mm -hmm. um we need some way of staying present and staying grounded when there is conflict and disagreement um or complex issues because 
we all carry a lot of habits around our communication. It's how we learn as human beings. As we, we study, we observe, and the mind creates patterns, shortcuts. Um, language itself is a learned system of patterning. So if we want to shift those patterns, we need a way to observe them and we need a way to stay present in our conversations so that we can make wiser choices. So this is why the first step before anything else, before we even look at what are you saying, how are you listening, what happened, how do you feel, what do you want, any of that stuff, can we just show up? Like, can we just be here in a clear, grounded, and uh, connected way? And this has a whole range of benefits um, from having more awareness and choice, being able to regulate ourselves better, having more stamina for difficult conversations, um, not to mention beginning to create the atmosphere, an atmosphere of mutuality, mutual respect, um, openness. It, it does, it's, not a, it's not the only condition that matters but it is um, an essential initial condition for having dialogue. And when somebody, when we're really present and available, the other person can feel it. Yeah. And it starts to open the door to actually connecting and hearing one another. Mm -hmm. So this is what leading with presence is about. And there's a whole lot of tools we can use to, to learn how to do that. Maybe one or two I can offer right now to. Uh, to everyone who's joining us and listening. Um, one is just the simple uh, capacity to pause. Mm. And it doesn't need to be a long pause. I just took one there. It was probably, you know, a second and a half. But it's just enough to check the momentum of our habits. And, you know, that pause can be the difference between saying something that's just going to take the conversation down a really difficult path. Um, or blowing up, you know, or shutting down and pulling away and being like, to heck with you, I'm out of here. You know, we just take that, that pause to check ourselves. And in that pause, we can reconnect with our values, our deeper intention, our spirituality, whatever it is that that's a, a resource for us in that moment. So that's one, one tool. Um, another really valuable tool for being able to bring more presence into our conversations is being aware of and feeling our own body. The body is a tremendous, uh, tremendously intelligent uh, part of our human life and one that we tend to ignore. We tend to live in our thoughts and ideas and so forth. Um, so, you know, when you're aware of your body, when you feel a sensation in your body, um, you're not in the past or the future. You're not lost in a thought because sensations only exist in the present moment. So, you know, just feeling your hands a little bit while you're talking or having, you know, like a stone or something in your pocket to hold and, and touch. It becomes like a literal touchstone that can help us to learn how to lead with presence and presence and stay more aware in conversations. So that's the first step. That's the first training. And I'll pause there and see if there's anything you want to emphasize or follow up on. Uh, no, I think, I think the biggest piece for me, and I wanted to ask you about this, but you, you addressed it is that, you know, I'm finding that um, presence can't really just be called upon when I need it. Like it's something that almost needs to be like fostered. Like you said, it has to be something that becomes more of a lifestyle as opposed to something I just yank out of the sky in the moment. Like, oh, I'm going to be present in this conversation now, or 
kind of in this moment with my daughter and I'm going to, oh, I'm going to be present now, but it's something that if I find it's a lot easier to kind of get into that, that space, if it's something I'm doing on a regular basis. And so I think for myself, like, you know, meditation has been a really big thing for me because I feel like the more I spend in meditation, like in the morning, it kind of gets me ready for the day. And I feel like I can access that space much easier um, if I'm practicing on a regular basis. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. No, very, very well, very well said. Awesome. So that's what I got for the first one. Let's go to the second one. Okay. So once, once we're here, it gets mm-hmm. us on the map. Okay. Yep. It's like now we are, we're on the playing field. Okay. The next step is to come from curiosity and care. Yep. So this is about our intention. Intention isn't about, it's not what we want. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, the outcome we're angling for. Intention is about how we show up. It's what's driving or motivating our words, our actions, our facial expressions, our gesture, our tone of voice. So it's a very powerful factor in relationships and conversations because um, it's shaping a lot of the nonverbal communication uh, that is touching and affecting the other person and giving them data about us and what what we want and, and how we're approaching them and the conversation. So um, our, our default conditioning, when particularly when there's a disagreement or some difference or conflict um, based on life experience and based on the um, dominant paradigm of our society, which is you know win-lose, right-wrong, either-or, If those are the rules of the game and those are the experiences that we've had predominantly in life, the intentions that tend to come forth when there's a difference or disagreement are offensive or defensive. Either I'm going to try to dominate, win, control, manipulate, coerce, attack to get my way, or depending on the circumstances and my conditioning, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to back up you know, defend myself, give up, try to appease you, neither of which uh, will actually move things forward in a way that works for both people. So the process here is twofold. One, it's studying our habits. It's, It's getting more familiar with, okay, what are my tendencies? where, you know, what, what are the ingrained habits that I have learned that show up in conversation? And then through mindfulness, by being more present and becoming awake to those habits, we can make a different choice. We can actually cultivate a clear and helpful intention. And there are many helpful intentions we can have in conversations to be kind, uh, to be patient, um, to be honest, in a respectful way, um, to hold our ground. The the most powerful intention that I have found and and the training that I encourage people to do as a default is to cultivate a genuine intention to understand. All communication rests upon being able to understand each other. Even if our communication is purely transactional, and I'm just trying to get information from you or ask you to do something, there still needs to be enough understanding for the message to get across. So the most universally helpful intention that I have found in conversations 
as a fallback when all else fails, where am I coming from is can I cultivate the genuine intention to understand, not a false intention to understand, to try to get you to feel like I care so I can manipulate the situation. The other person will sense that Mm -hmm. the genuine intention to understand. And so the way I put that is to come from curiosity and care, Mm -hmm. curiosity, getting curious, what's going on here? How do we work this out? Care doesn't mean that I want to be your best friend. That's not the case in, in all situations. You know, that's just not what it is to be human. We have preferences or different people we connect with. It means I, I don't lose touch with what I care about, that I'm connected with my heart and with all that that means, which includes the sense of compassion I have for the suffering of others. It includes um, the sense of dignity I want in life for myself and for others. So this can start to, um, it, it can start to deprogram and neutralize some of the less helpful intentions and habits we've accumulated over our life. And, and so this is the second, the second training is, can we cultivate the genuine intention to understand? Can we train ourselves to get curious in conversations? Now, the point I like to make here is, okay, in this model that I've developed, there are three parts, train, your, train yourself to lead with presence, learn to come from curiosity and care, and then part three, focus on what matters. Two thirds of the model has little to do with what we say. Mm. That's true. Because skillful communication is not about the words ultimately. Mm. It's about where we're coming from inside and the quality of understanding and connection that we're able to create with one another. You can say all the right words and still, you know, be blaming the other person or manipulating the situation, or, you know, you can try to use the technical tools of nonviolent communication and get so convoluted that the other person has no idea what you're saying. (laughs) Right. So, you know, the foundations here are really about getting our head straight and being connected to our heart. And if that's in place, a lot of the other pieces follow naturally. Mm, So again, I'll pause there um, and see, you know, what's coming up for you. Does that, is that sufficient? Do you want to emphasize anything or ask? No, I know. I think when when I was reading your book for me, like this was definitely the, I think the most difficult one for me to Mm -hmm. grasp. And I think probably a lot of our listeners will probably maybe feel the same, but just because of my background, like having gone to Bible college, having gone to seminary, preparing to be a pastor, like in that world, you're supposed to be the, like the answer guy. And you're supposed to have, you know, always be ready with an answer is what they told us. And so I would always find myself like when talking to somebody and I know that they have a view that's different than mine, I'm not really listening because I'm building my response in my head. So I'm taking pieces of what they're sharing with me, but it's not really listening in order to understand. It's listening so I can defend myself and I can defend my view. And that's just the way that I was taught. And so I find that that's so ingrained in me because it's literally years and years and years of that. And so having, forcing myself to pause and to ask myself about what are my intentions in this conversation and to ask more questions than I do 
give answers, I think is, is really hard, but the, the times that I've tried it has been really, it's like, it's like a, it's like, it's like a miracle when it, when it all seems to, to work. Yeah. And it happens a lot like online because there'll be some, like some Facebook arguments where you get into a dialogue with somebody. And I found that instead of just trying to share my point, you know, clarify my argument, if I ask more questions, like, so tell me more about why it is that you think that way. Yeah. Just because I'm really curious to understand why. And I find the more I ask somebody else why, the more they're also inclined to ask me why. And it just feels like the conversation can just get steered in an entirely different direction, which I think is what we're all longing for. Yeah, yeah, beautifully put. Yeah, I, I find that you're, you're really, you're taking what I'm saying and kind of filling it out in a way that I, I hope is making it more um, kind of, accessible to, to the folks listening. And that phrase you used is such a good one, which is, you know, listening to understand. Yeah. Right. And, and one way that we can, that I find we can recognize the value of that is to turn the tables and think about how it feels to be talking to someone else mm -hmm. and the difference between the experience of somebody just genuinely listening and yeah. when they make space to just try to hear what's going on for us rather than arguing, trying to fix it, give us an answer, make us feel better, all of that. Um, and then we, we, we recognize that as human beings, how good it feels to feel understood and heard and seen. Whether we're talking about something, you know, deeply personal and emotional or talking about our political views or, you know, our spiritual values, when somebody really takes an interest and says, wow, you know, like, I, I see it differently, but I want to understand, you know, like, how is that for you? Or why is that? It satisfies something deep inside us because as human beings, we, we have this deep need to be understood and seen right. for who we are and what matters to us. And that's something we can offer to others. Right. It's a gift in and of itself. And as you're, as you're pointing to, it starts to shift the dynamic in the conversation and creates the conditions for more learning in both directions and more of a mutual exchange. All right. So, so step three. Second. Yeah, that's the second step. So step three starts to put some rails on all this. Yep. Okay. How do we get curious? <laughs> <laughs> you know, easier said than done. Right. So this is so this is where we focus on what matters. Mm -hmm. So the premise here that Marshall Rosenberg um, built on, which comes from humanistic psychology, um, from folks like Carl Rogers, who is Marshall Rosenberg's mentor, and Abraham Maslow, is that part of what makes us human is that we all share the same fundamental, underlying, universal needs. Mm. We have quite clearly basic material needs for food, shelter, uh, medicine, safety, and so forth. Um, but we also have relational needs for community, belonging, understanding, empathy, touch, love, uh, play. And we have higher needs. We have spiritual needs for meaning, for a purpose, for um, a sense of peace transcendence, communion. So um, we all share these needs, but they express themselves and look differently in each of us. And, and that's about our strategies, how we go about meeting our needs. So the premise here is that not only do we share the same needs, but that we can view our behavior, everything we say and do as an attempt 
to fulfill some underlying universal need. And in therein lies the key to transcending our differences, understanding each other and learning how to work together. So one way to get curious is to focus on what matters by asking the question internally, what really matters to this person? What do they need? What's important to them here? So the training here, the first step was training our, our sense of presence. The second step is training our intention. The third step is training our attention. Where are we focusing our attention? And as you were saying earlier, am I focused on building my case, refuting their points, um, what should have been, who's right, who's wrong, all of these ways we get kind of fixated on an idea or am I able to focus my attention on what's most important, what matters? Now, what matters in a conversation changes from moment to moment. We're complex, conversations are messy. So the baseline here is to learn how to listen for and identify underlying needs. A need is not something that um, makes us selfish or dependent or weak or needy. It's these motivating factors that are universal. It's really the core of what matters to us as human beings. And we can train our attention to get curious about that and to listen for it in others and to be aware of it in ourselves. And there's a whole range of benefits to that, both in terms of our own sense of personal empowerment and agency in life, getting clearer about what matters to us, why we do the things we do and how we can reevaluate that based on whether or not it's meeting our needs and creating more space for mutual understanding and common ground with others by being able to see beyond or beneath the different views and perspectives to something more universal and shared. So it really makes you respond with a lot of intentionality as opposed to just a response based upon how I feel about yeah. something that you just said to me. And I think, yeah. I think I, I, obviously read the book, but the way that you phrased it really hit me hard just about trying to understand why somebody would say something based upon the need that's driving the thing that they, that they yeah. said, like that human need. I think if we can, if we can connect with that person on the human level and realize that we all have needs, but we're just maybe expressing that need in a different way, that can help us make at least some kind of connection our views still might differ we might not see eye to eye but we can still connect as humans and move forward right we're expressing the needs in different ways we're, we're going about fulfilling or trying to mm. meet the needs in different ways so and this is a skill this takes practice yeah. so for example you're in a conversation with somebody and you're sitting there and you're going like god what does this person need you know <laughs> and it's like the first thing that comes to mind initially as we're training ourselves is often actually not a need so this is an important distinction. So we might think, well, they just need to be right. Or, you know, they have this need to control me or everything around them. Okay, those aren't needs. Those are what we would call strategies. The difference is a strategy is what we want. The, the need is why we want it. And the way you can tell if it's a strategy versus a need, one way to tell is to check and see do, does something in your heart shift? Do you feel a sense of openness 
towards this person, do you feel an intuitive sense of understanding and affirmation for the thing that you've identified? If I perceive, you know, my attention is focused on, man, this person just really wants to be right. I, I, my heart does not open to them. <laughs> you know, what comes up is like, I want to be right. You know, I'm going to like get into a, you know, a, a show them. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. So we have to go deeper. We have to ask ourselves, okay, if this person were right, mm -hmm. if that strategy, if they, if that strategy worked, what would it give them? Um, okay, maybe they would feel understood. Ah, I can relate to that. I want to be understood too. Or um, maybe, maybe they would feel a sense of respect. Maybe they want respect for their views. Yeah, respect. I can get behind that. I, I want to be respected. So when we get to that level of needs, there's, there's a sense of like, oh yeah, there's this recognition of the humanity. Mm -hmm. So if I think somebody's just trying to control everything, what do they need? Well, they just they just want control. Okay, that might be that that might be what they want. But what do they need? Do they need a sense of agency? Everyone needs a sense of agency in life. Do they need a sense of order? Do things feel so out of control that you know things are changing so rapidly that they really just want something reliable to trust? Wow, I can really relate with that. Yeah, I want that too. Now. I go about that in a different way, right? I, some people, you know, I know, you know, you're, you frame the conversation earlier, you know, talking about um, questioning one's faith and different religious views, right? So one of the things we see around the world today is because of the pressure we're all under economically, socially, environmentally, um, that deep human need for order and stability uh, gets expressed in different ways. And some people meet that need for order and stability by latching onto views, by creating a very simplified binary world, right? It says, you, you know, you have to be either a man or a woman. And that's the only way because I can't deal because this complexity is too threatening to my own need for order, stability, maybe my own need for a sense of identity or meaning or purpose in life. So we, we find different ways to meet these needs and that creates a bridge where we can start to hear and understand each other. I might disagree with your views. You know, I, I might say, well, I have friends who really don't feel like they fit into either of those categories and I want them to feel free to just be who they are. I don't have to agree with them, but I can say, <laughs> you know, you do you, it's your life. That's, 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 you know, your path. And I can respect that. And I can, I can honor that that's your truth. Yeah. Right. And, and the more we can, we can see and perceive and understand one another from this perspective, the more possibility we have to find ways to live in peace together and, um, and to get along in spite of our differences. Yeah. So identifying needs is the beginning of focusing on what matters from there. We begin, we start to expand and learn to identify other aspects of our experience that Marshall Rosenberg pointed out that make it easier to communicate and hear one another. And this is where the, the framework of nonviolent communication really comes in, which is this training of our attention mm -hmm. to notice first and most fundamentally 
our, our feelings and needs and the feelings and needs of others. Emotions are very powerful. They're what drive us as human beings on the surface. Um, but the understanding is that our emotions are information about our needs. They point to what matters to us. So initially we train ourselves in this vocabulary of how do I stay aware of the feelings and needs that are present in me? Because that's where my life energy is. How do I stay aware of and connect with the feelings and needs that are present in others? Whether or not I talk about it, whether or not I name it explicitly, training my attention internally to listen for and focus on those aspects of somebody's experience gives me a window into their humanity and helps me to stay connected to um, my own values for treating everyone with dignity and respect, for creating bridges across differences, for finding a way to move forward together. And then from there, we expand further to um, learn how to get clear about um, observations, what's actually happened that we're talking about, and making requests, which is about how, how we come to understand each other and work together um, by offering suggestions and um, building understanding in a conversation one, one step at a time. And so the, the template that Marshall Rosenberg used for his, his training in nonviolent communication is this training our awareness to identify these four components, observation, feeling, need, request. And that is more of an internal, as I understand it, an internal practice than a script. It's not that you speak or, or listen in these formulaic ways, but it's more, can we train ourselves to recognize these different components of our experience and that helps us to hear each other and understand things and speak more clearly. It's really good. That's that gives me so much to to think about because in this in this world that I'm in, and in, in in regards to faith and having come from a, a background where it's it's either or, you know, it's black or white, and and that's it. I think the biggest thing that you just gave me to think about is just that 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 mentality, that that understanding of the way that the world works is really a, a search for stability in very unstable times. And I think that that alone, like we can all relate to that desire to yeah. want stability. And I think that, that if, if you can, if you can see that in the other person in the heat of the moment, I feel like you can right. help drop that drop so many, yeah. so many guards. Yeah. 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 And, and I just want to say, you know, again, like, that's one way mm -hmm. of understanding, right? Like that's one possibility. It could be other things too. And this is the power and the beauty of this practice is that um, one, it requires a lot of humility. We don't know yep. until we check with the other person what's important to them. Yep. And two, um, it's not about getting it right. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't about trying to be psychic or psychoanalyze people. It's about the genuineness of our intention to understand and connect. And that's what people pick up on. Yeah. So, you know, it changes things internally and often relationally when we begin to come from curiosity and care and focus on what matters and listen for, you know, what does this person really need? What do they value? What's important to them? I can see in other contexts, maybe, you know, uh, rigid views being about um, honoring one's sense of uh, tradition sure. and wanting to have a strong connection with family mm -hmm. 
or ancestors, yeah. you know, like another very deep need for us. So um, there, there are many different needs that could be present. But what happens is when we start to consider that possibility that this person isn't just crazy, they're not just trying to, you know, get a rise out of me. They actually care about something that I also care about. Yeah. And they just, they're just relating to it and trying to fulfill it in a different way. Yeah. That changes the whole orientation to the conversation. Yeah. Would it even be appropriate to, you know, if the situation feels like it would be okay to say to the person, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, I find myself not agreeing with your point of view, but do you mind if I ask you, why is this particular point of view so important to you? Like, is it, is it, have you ever had a situation where you've asked somebody like that direct question in the conversation to try to just get from them why this is so important for them and then maybe better understand their need? Yeah, it, it really depends. So I want to call some attention to the way you framed the question, which mm -hmm. is, you know, is it, is it appropriate? Is it ever appropriate? So this is a, this is a question that comes up a lot whenever I teach communication to people, regardless of the context, whether I'm working with um, doctors and healthcare practitioners, or, you know, working with folks who are getting communication skills for their personal life is some form of the question, well, can I say this? <laughs> and I'm really, really cautious about reinforcing the idea that there's a right way to speak. Yeah. That will only create more conflict in our life in general. I'm much more interested in encouraging and empowering people um, to make wiser choices in their conversations. And the best way I've found to do that is to turn the question around and to say, well, whenever you find yourself asking or wondering, can I say this? <laughs> Ask yourself the question, is this likely to lead to more understanding or connection? That's the gauge. Yeah. In some situations, the answer to that question might be yes. In other situations, it might be no. Everything's context sensitive. It really depends. So in some situations, yeah, absolutely. You know, being really direct and open, just like you, you know, modeled could be really useful. Yeah. And it might open the door to a much richer conversation. In other situations, um, asking someone like, why is this important to you? Or why does this matter to you? Could be taken as an affront. Yeah. Could be taken as an fire. attack. Yeah. Right. Or, um, you know, sometimes particularly, you know, when people start learning about these tools and about human needs, they'll go around and start asking, well, what do you need? Mm -hmm. Somebody who hasn't done this training will generally tell you what they, they'll tell you their strategy. They'll say, I just need you to stop arguing and do this. That's not a need. That's a strategy. What do you need underneath that? It's like, stop. Well, why are you talking in riddles? Right. You know? So it's, it's on us really to do that work and to, and to get curious. So in general, one of the tools, it's not so much to put the burden of responsibility on the other person who hasn't had this training and doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily aware of their needs in that way or their values in that way. Um, and to, to start to inquire in a way that gives them some parameters. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, 
you want to introduce that in a way that's respectful. So I might say something like, you know, just like you did, you know, I, I see things differently. I think we have pretty different views fundamentally. And I really still want to understand where you're coming from because it matters to me to, for our relationship and just for the sake of my own enrichment to under, to be able to understand people who see things differently than me. So I want to just check and see if I'm understanding what matters to you. Would it be all right if I just ask you a couple of questions about how I'm understanding what you're hearing to see if I'm following? Yeah. And just, just that act of, of letting the person know why I want to ask and asking permission can really shift something. It, it lets the other person know, I respect you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just take over here. Here's where I'm coming from and why, like, can I ask into this a little bit? Yeah. You know, most people, you know, if they trust that we're sincere, we'll say, yeah. And then we can start to take us. We say, well, you know, when you talk about this, I'm wondering if part of what matters to you um, is really honoring the sanctity of the values and the tradition that you were raised with. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that part of what's important to that to you? And now notice how, one, I'm asking a question. I'm not telling them what their needs are. I'm sharing with them what I surmise might be going on. And I'm leaving a lot of room. I'm saying part of what matters to you, because there might be other things. And the other person is generally more than happy to tell us. It's like, yeah, that's part of it, but it's also about following God's true way, or it's also about, you know, bringing the kingdom of heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. So we say, oh, that's really interesting. Okay. So it's not just about honoring tradition and your family values. And what I'm getting is that it's also like, there's also something really important to you about like your sense of integrity with your faith mm. and really honoring um, the, your sense of responsibility to what you hold to be most sacred and true in this life. Mm. Is that, is, am I getting at it now? It's like, yes, that's, that's, you know, we, so we can start to understand things in this deeper way of what is it that matters to the person? Yeah. That's really good. And I have a friend who's been on the podcast before his name is uh, Brian McLaren. He's an author activist. And uh, he says that one of his kind of go-to phrases in the midst of like a a heated discussion is like, oh my goodness, like I've never thought of it from that perspective before. Would you mind Mm. telling me more about how you came to those conclusions and why that's so important to you? And he said that that just gives the other person the feeling that like, oh, this person thinks, really does think that my opinion, my thoughts matter. And then it just kind of disarms a whole lot of things. That can yeah. go awry later in the right. conversation. So, hey, well, we're just about out of time. I know you have a tight schedule today, and uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. This has been a very helpful um, discussion. And before you go, uh, where's the best place for people to go to connect with you online with you and your work? Totally. Yeah. Thanks, Glenn. Just so, just to say, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your work. Thanks for putting these great messages out there. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> two ways folks can connect with me. One is on my website, orangejsofer.com. Um, and then the other is on social media. I'm on the various platforms at Orin J. Sofer. That's J-A-Y. Awesome. Well, I'll put the links to that in your book and the show notes. And um, hopefully we can do this again one day soon. Sure. I'd love that. Thanks, Thank you Glenn. so much. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Do sunshine and rain. 
Stressing over everything, losing your brain. Fit back up yourself before you go insane. Levitate over times and you got the rain. Times are tough, I'm being honest. We can see the light, just remain modest. Uh, can't forget, just a day reminder. Life's a little short, and take off the blinds. Be a little wiser. Build my own future, I'm the pathfinder. CMG is a team with a franchise. Uh, impacted by the worst decisions. Breaking bad habits on the repetition. What you getting to now? Gave too many chances. In the back condition, but it's not the ending. Get yourself together, got no time for reminiscing. I just want this all to live life. Not enough to stop, never spent a lot of hours on the clock. I'm trying to pop, locked in the stock room. It will remind me of my thoughts. I got a whole lot of product in the box. I'm trying to drop what you got. I got a whole lot of product you can cop. Yeah. Pennies for my thoughts. A lot of commas, a lot of commas. Count it's it. hard staying conscious when the problem's making profit. Still fly, just flying in the opposite of what a block is. The most high riding in the cockpit. He told me for the autopilot, hit the top switch. Yeah. Kamikaze dropping knowledge, I'm just honest. No, I'm not a prophet, but I profit off a of promise. God said stop knocking and unlock it. I'm what happens when a janitor meets the locksmith. You know that common sense ain't common. So don't pick cotton, pick college. And that's knowledge. Worries, we gon' win. Several fell the tips right back up again to the end. Added to the wheels fall off. Ain't no time to be complacent, you we get knocked off. My pleasure, you gonna thank me later. Can't forget about the other side for the haters. Closer than you think, this is nothing that we make up. But the dead weight will open the floodgates. Wait, first things first, gotta learn to have patience. Doesn't mean sitting all your life, all the waiting. Minute that you quit, this is second that you're failing. Bounce back from a setback, then you sailing. We on our way to the yellow brick road. Gotta suffer consequences that we win when we sow. Let nothing get in the way when we get in the zone. Can be afraid to admit we're not right and we're wrong. Yeah. Uh. On the way, trying to stop us, but we gon' fight.